Should we be thinking differently about health innovation? Driven by purpose and impact, our guest today is Vijay Luthra, who helps health tech leaders achieve exponential growth uh, for their businesses. And he's head of strategic partnerships at Thriver. You know, he was growing up with chronic kidney disease and then he had a renal transplant. And through there, you're going to hear all about his story today. But Vijay believes that innovation in health is critical uh, to an empowered and equitable world. Welcome to Tribe Talks here at The Entrepreneur's Doctor, where I'm here to help you take a health problem that you've seen or felt and create a thriving online business or enter the world of health entrepreneurship without taking risks on your family, your financial or job security. That's my story. You know, I was a bit older. I wasn't your 20 year old that can jump straight into a startup. I had responsibilities, but I still wanted to take my personal pain but also my health professional experience and apply it to something I'm dedicated about. So I'm here to help you really to create that thriving business that helps you scale your impact but also work less and have a little bit of fun. Life's too short not to. And a quick disclaimer, if we do speak about any health issues, medical issues, or any business financial issues, this is purely information education only. Uh, obviously, speak with your licensed physician if you've got any um, medical issues or concerns. And also do check out further details in the disclaimer below. Thanks, Berries. Um, really great to, to be here. Um, thanks for the great introduction. Um, so as you were saying, the uh, the sort of golden thread through my career has been uh, purpose, purpose and impact. I've had um, various different cycles of experience in my life. I've started my life off running big music festivals and then went into government and then more recently in, in management consulting. Um, but I, I have to say, I've probably stayed out of health probably for a bit longer um, than I ought to have done. Um, and you know, you, you and I were talking talking a little bit earlier. Um, really, the the thing that catalyzed my my interest in in health um, more than more than interest, strong, it's stronger than interest. It's passion for health was really at the, the start of the pandemic. Um, I ended up in a in, in a sort of unique position. I've never been been in a position before where I've had to stay at home, haven't been able to go out and have felt very, uh, very powerless and very vulnerable. Um, and, uh, and, and that really was a, an experience that, uh, that radicalised me. Uh, and I guess where, um, where I sort of hesitated to get involved in health before was because uh, I don't have that background as a, as, as a clinician, I felt a little um, underqualified to, to be in health. Um, but, but I guess, you know, the, um, the sort of light bulb moment for me was that actually as, you know, someone who's been in and out of um, hospital and has, you know, always been under the care of a, of a physician, um, actually, I've, you know, probably got a pretty good understanding um, of, uh, of the big issues in health. 
um, and actually here in the UK as a consultant, I've um, I've spent time working in the NHS. So, um, am I underqualified? Um, probably not as much as I think. Um, and I think the thing from from my perspective is is that you know everybody everybody's got something to bring to the table, and that's uh, that's my my passion and my interest. You're an entrepreneur. You are a, a strategist. You are a leader in what you do. Um, but if you were going to launch your own startup, what problem would you love to solve? So, so, so I think um, there's a, a huge set of problems around chronic disease management. I mean, maybe um, I, I perhaps have a slightly UK centric perspective on this, but you know, as part of my part of my journey as a um, a uh, a renal transplantee I have to go and get my blood tested I have that done with my primary care physician my GP but then those results have to be sent to my secondary care my, my specialist team at, at Guy's Hospital so um, there's a, a, a gap of a gap of geography and there's a gap of um, there's a gap of technology there so in order to get my bloods I have to go to my GP which is uh, 50 minute drive or a, or a 40 minute walk and then get the bloods done a few days later they arrive on my uh, uh, on my on, on one NHS app so what I then have to do is physically print those results off scan them and send them to my uh, to, to, to my consultant in in London which is that's fine I'm not you know they're not wasting their time I'm wasting my time but um you know that's just a small example of how I think the the experience for for people managing chronic health conditions, you know whether it's type two diabetes or chronic disease or or Crohn's or you know you can pick any condition. I think um, it's 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 not not easy. And you know if you think about how complicated your life is as a as a you know someone with a chronic condition, you want it to be as easy as possible, and that benefits everybody because. It then means more empowerment, more control. You're less likely to need to access uh, the, the resources of, of the NHS. DJ, follow up, quick one though. We're bang on the hour of this one. So, have you got an inkling of what the solution might be to that problem? Yeah, From I think. Um, perspective? I, so, 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 I think the solution is 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 probably you. You were just um, talking about technology not being. The, the answer to everything and I think I think you're right I take the view um so, so in my consulting career I often have conversations with um with CEOs about how they're going to use this fantastic bit of software uh, ERP for example to to save money in the business and that's a euphemism for uh, I'm going to put this piece of software in and I'm going to be able to make loads of people redundant um what I always used to say to those people is well technology's not about replacing people it's about making things easier for people so the same applies in health if we're if we're going to use technology then let's use it in a way that improves outcomes for patients for clinicians for administrators it, it's about making life easier for all those things and i think if i were building something for um uh, chronically ill uh, people i i would be thinking about a, a piece of software that integrated with their primary and their secondary care records, but that also allowed them to do things like order medication and go and get um, diagnostic procedures done whenever they needed to, and maybe even had some um, some content, some behavioural 
some behavioural change um, aspects to it, as, as Heath mentioned, you know, sort of dietary advice and all those kind of things. Things that basically as a patient will help you stay as healthy as you can be. These are health entrepreneurs. Some of them are on the call now from various backgrounds. You know, we've got actually a physician here, retired physician. We've got a former police officer turned serial entrepreneur outside of health and through a personal experience led him to uh, the world of health entrepreneurship. Indeed, our um, physician on the line, I mean, she'll, she'll jump in in a moment, but we heard from her a couple of weeks ago too. It was her personal uh, experience with her own health that drove her to what she's doing now. Similarly with myself, you know, even though I'm a medic, even though I'm a health professional, it was my personal experience. And indeed the pandemic, you know, led to burnout. And it was then that there was this light bulb moment. It's like a, you're hitting a brick wall. And I, I distinctly remember this, you know, I'd gone through several, I'll keep this short, but I'd gone through se several experiences, either as a child growing up with asthma or caring for, for my son when he was born prematurely or my, my dad when he got terminal cancer. Every single time I was thinking, what can I do to make things better? I've, I'm seeing and feeling problems, but it wasn't until I hit burnout myself that, and my son looked at me, he was only four at the time. He looked at me and he's like, can you stop this work? Because I'm coming home every day, miserable, angry, tired, burnt out. And so that said, you know, I, I just thought I need to jump straight into this and do something that I feel like we can do something about. Now, the question to you really is, we've just had a brief chat before recording this. And I know that not only have you got this personal lived experience that you can share with the world, uh, and I'd love to get that out of you, but you've also got this other experience as being in management consulting in the music industry and so bringing innovative or new ways of working from those other sectors into the health sector I think is truly valuable so my question is really to you is what would be your top two or three tips to the health entrepreneur that may be watching or listening doesn't come from a medical background has no experience in the health sector but has gone through a similar experience and now wants to do something about it where should they go yeah I mean I mean I think that the first the first thing to say would be would be do it um my so is it frustration it's probably frustration but my sense is the voice that is most consistently missing from health innovation is the is the patient voice and you know if if um you're you're a practitioner a health practitioner then that then i guess you know you think about why why are we doing all of this stuff we're doing it for the people who have a a condition you know either acute or chronic that needs to be that needs to be managed um but in terms of advice i guess you know the things i've i've learned through through my career i think number one would be don't go alone there's the um the uh the, the cliched phrase of if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and i think you know for me in my my career my experience that that um that, that definitely rings true do things in teams bring other people in if you're a if you're a clinician running a business bring people in who aren't clinicians if you're not a clinician go out and find some clinicians who want to work with you um on on stuff equally bring people in from outside health you know bring people in who've got experience of other uh, other sectors and other markets you'll find that um that experience will be will be valuable in some way it may not be directly applicable to what you're doing 
but but I you know I always find that there's value in people who have different experiences. Um, so that's number one. I think number two um, would be be open-minded. Uh, you you know you never know what you're going to encounter along the journey, and I think um, having that open mindset and not necessarily being fixed to to a particular view um, is is really really important. Um, and then I think the third thing would be be kind to yourself as a uh, as an entrepreneur. And you know, I have spent parts of my life as an entrepreneur. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, you know, from the simple stuff like working out how you're going to pay pay the mortgage through to you know, am I taking my my business in the right direction? Um, we are all our own hardest critics, and I think as an entrepreneur, it's incumbent on you to be kind and patient with yourself and accept that things will and can go wrong and you know not to be not to be hard on yourself when you um when they do go wrong i think that takes me back to the first point is is that you know don't do it on your own if you've got other people there around you for the most difficult bits um you know that can be a really great source of support um you know you want them there for the for the wins and the successes too but you know having other people around you for the most difficult points is I, for me has always been um a, a great um a, a great way to make sure that i'm staying staying true mm. bj i'm gonna go to heath in a moment just to see if he has a take but before i do um patricia hear me out um so i think it was a week or two ago you might have seen this on linkedin i posted a question like who is a health expert right and i think I, we talked about this last week as well and it's really all about you know depends on what kind of expert we're talking about what are they an expert in and are they an expert in disease care or health care or prevention or, or what is it exactly so for me i knew the answer from a public health perspective everyone is a health expert including patients including caregivers including teachers including police officers including fire uh, men and women it really doesn't matter we're all involved in something engineers involved in something that contributes to health directly or indirectly um, you've heard me say this time and again only 10 percent of health is in the clinical setting in the healthcare setting it's throughout our lifestyle throughout our life course all the way from when we're born through to when we die everything in our life affects our health but not only ours but indeed subsequent generations and i'm not just talking about genetics here so bottom line we each have a role to play whether it's in preventing and getting well and staying well whether it's in teaching people about healthy lifestyle habits whether it's in engineers and architects who design uh, buildings to be conducive to health and well-being whether it's urban designers and, and engineers who design cities to allow those access to footpaths and blue and green spaces that we know from evidence to be better for your health and well-being whether it's uh, policymakers who make sure that there's you know rules and regulations to have access to healthy food in in at every corner at every location so that we all have access to that capability and the resources to have that healthy lifestyle and avoid getting into the hospital uh, once it's almost too late in a way. So the, the question that I wanted to pose to Patricia first, and feel free to disagree with me, but it's, what's your take? Because in that LinkedIn survey, it was really a 50-50 split. 50% said to be a health expert, you've got to be a health professional. Um, whereas 50% no, said agreed with me. It's like everyone uh, is a health expert in some shape or form. So Patricia, from a medic, a fellow medic, what's your take on this concept? 
my own, even while I was practicing, the person who knows their health the best is the patient. Unless we listen to them and hear what is going on in their lifestyle, all we can do is pull out of a cookbook, but that doesn't fit them in their situation. It may be and the family is resistant to what you're saying, and they're more apt to listen to the family. The, where they are living, it's what you're saying is not conducive. Their finances may not be conducive. And so you've got to go walk in their shoes so you can fit health to them. And the only way we can do that is by listening to them. In addition, you are absolutely correct. If you've got a plant that is polluting by cutting down the emissions, you're going to have patients with healthier lungs. So we are all in this together. We are not isolated and absolutely 1000% or more um, as a team, we're going to do better. In addition, there's not one person who can solve all of the issues of the team. And by getting everybody's expertise, each person is putting something forward. It's kind of like the facets of a diamond. By putting us all forward and allowing all of us to shine, where you're going to have a beautiful outcome. One um, facet of a diamond doesn't shine at all. 100%. So before I go to uh, Heath, Vijay, did you want to come back at that? Um, yeah, no, just um, just to say, agree with all of that. I think um, my my reflection is is that as a as a patient, you're you're used to having lots of stuff done to you, um, not necessarily with you. So, so then picking up the points around empowerment, I think um, empowerment for me is a really important theme for health in the 21st century. How do we actually help people manage their own health? And, you know, I think um, I probably need to give a, a bit of a plug for, for the day job, but um, I, I work um, with Thriver, as you know, and Thriver, we're remote remote diagnostics and you know there is huge potential for how we use remote diagnostics to help people diagnose or, or to manage existing existing conditions and my sense is sometimes we we don't get the open-minded thinking that we need when we're talking about novel novel approaches to to how we might uh, might manage health and I think that's the you know one of the key takeaways for me to get empowerment we're going to need to change how we think thanks and I think Patricia wants to return on that Patricia yes the thing is and I'm going to use a simple example you've got a person whose knee is terrible and medical science says hey you need your knee replacement for the one person it's perfectly fine but for the person who lives upstairs taking care of an invalid spouse or family person, it has to be postponed for them to live their all best life. And maybe a using a brace would be better for them. So you've got to, in all areas, look at the patient and fit your suggestions and together mutually come up with what's best for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the things, you know, um, I think it may be the, the UK health system and education when I was training to become a doctor, 
one of the um, hospital units that I worked on was care of the elderly. Um, and absolutely like any decisions, and that's just an example, but any decisions that were made were obviously involving evidence from three areas. Number one, it's what does the research say is the best practice? What do the guidelines say? Another one is what do the clinicians think at that moment in time from their you know, actual on the ground experience and knowledge of that patient, but also what does the patient and their care, what do their social circumstances suggest? So never should you be saying, this is the best drug or best intervention for this condition, we, we go a step further. And that's where innovation comes. That's when you see problems that are not being handled with the status quo. And innovation is not just about the latest gadget, gizmo technology, it's just new ways of working. Um, but enough about me, I wanna make sure uh, Heath comes in as well on this. Well, uh... VJ and uh, Patricia and Beirut, I think you've all made really valid points. I think that <clears throat> lifestyle medicine really is a critical component of it. And the part that gets, um, I'm going to generalize the medical side, is that they forget that knowledge and the science is absolutely critical. But the part they forget is that the experience and the application is wisdom. And it's a partnership. It's the ability for the patient and the uh, uh, doctor practitioner to be able to uh, support them. And a, a model that Beirut and I talked a lot about, I'm trying to apply in my own life, whenever I'm talking to anybody, is I gotta be personally interested in that person. What is it that's going on for them? Because I can say, this is a treatment that should be done. Uh, this is a, for me as a type one diabetic, let's adjust your insulin, let's change your basal rate, let's deal with diet. I can go through all the, the, the actions, but we've got to be interested in what is it that's influencing that person because it could be just the simplest thing called stress. It impacts all of us, right? And there's five that really um, drive this. But the point is that wisdom of a person's journey that they're having after we've tried an adjustment is did it work? How did it make them and affect them in their thinking, their feeling, and their actions? And what was that? in it so that would be my uh, two bits on it really is we need to be personally interested i don't care whether you're a doctor or a, a mentor in what's going on we need to ask questions versus tell and my biggest mistake in life and anything i do is i'll start telling from my knowledge versus asking so that i can give wise advice right on it and then share through that whole point of it, right? Share appropriate stuff to that person's need and then support them appropriately, which in a lot of cases means nothing. We don't have to do anything. It's actually the individual's responsibility and accountability to take care of their health. But it also could be, no, we need to take an extreme intervention and help this person as well, such as mental illness and other things. But th that's just my simple, uh, maybe not so simple explanation is that we just need to really pass, uh, personally interested asks, and support sure. a person where they're at. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to come back to you, Vijay. Thanks, Heath. Um, I just want to share something with, with our audience, really, and for you guys here as well. You know, Vijay, from what you told me earlier, you are your specialty in your day job is about taking a strategic and a vision, a strategy and a vision and bringing it to life, implementation. That's where, obviously, things can go wrong. Um, but, but I guess... You know, what I'd love to hear from you is perhaps bring in some of that in to advising 
the health entrepreneur from a, especially from a non-medical background, but indeed a medic, you know, medics have a tough time getting into entrepreneurship because they don't have the business knowledge. They don't have the tech expertise. If it's a, a tech um, uh, kind of solution, um, what would your tips be on? They've got this vision in their head. They have felt the pain. They've got a vision of what good would look like. We talk about how you can bring this to life in, in the kinds of ways that I work with uh, entrepreneurs. However, what would be your, top tips of bringing that vision into reality yeah um it's 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 the most difficult of questions so um the the biggest reason i've pointed myself at, at what i call execution is because it's it's interesting it's a lot of fun and it, it's it's an area in which most um businesses struggle um it's it's actually pretty easy to come up with ideas the most difficult bit is to is to then execute on those ideas um th there isn't really a, a formula i think it's um it's it's incredibly complex but i'd say the first thing is if you're an aspiring entrepreneur is to write it down the i think you know the act of of writing something down starting to think through it in a slightly structured way will uh, and certainly it works this way for me is it it helps me to to understand am i am i thinking about this problem in the right way writing it down also is a good way of i think maybe formalizing is the wrong word but but it, it you know it sort of you've created something which sets out what you're planning to do and that thing that that artifact powerpoint presentation business plan whatever it is you've you've done series of post-it notes those things should all be capable of being shared and, and that's really the second thing would would be if you're planning something go out and get some help so you know it goes back to the point i made earlier about if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go go together uh, i would say i would say i think you know if you're a founder who's going alone i think that's an incredibly brave decision to make um I've been in business once with a friend and I've been in business once on my own and it was far easier to, to be in business with my friend than it was to, to be in business on my on my own. And then I think really the third thing is is that it, it's it's not um, it's not JFDI exactly, but um, be be a bit experimental in the early days. you know if you you've got an idea, you've written it down, you've shared it with some people, you've got some some feedback. Um, maybe you've brought, you know, sort of one or two people in around you who are prepared to give you some time. Then the next thing to do is is to just do it. Um, you know, at the very start, you're, you're not going to be a big structured business that leads needs lots of process. So you know, just work out what's the what are the sort of the the, the top three things you can do to start moving yourself forward. So you know, if it's a if it's you know piece of software you want to build then you know how can you do that um in the quickest way with the resources to hand there's a friend of mine it's a renal doctor nick sangella down on the south coast and you know nick has built a no-code app for renal patients down there you know nick kind of as a um as an entrepreneur has you know he's working alongside another doc and and his wife uh, so he's got that support they've you know set out what the plan was and and then you know nick's basically gone and taught himself how to how to use uh, no code tools to develop to develop this tool so you know all very all pretty simple but he's he's gone and done it 
and he's got something to show for his for his time and then that's you know a proof of uh, a proof of value that you can then take to take take to other people if you decide you know you want to go out and get some investment or you want to bring other people in having that having that proof is is good for that it's also just good proof for yourself that i can do it 